It is the APC podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation. Follow along with us on Twitter at the APC Pod. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever get wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. If you please, they really help the show. We are a day late and a couple of two, three dollars short uh, this week. Uh, now, Wednesday afternoon, December 18th, as we record today's show. So thanks, you guys, for your patience. Uh, this week, I was driving back from L.A. Uh, on a mission to slang some of my wife's beautiful artwork there. So we were putzing around rural Arizona yesterday on our way back home today to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I am now. And I am your host, Zach Rapport, and I'm joined on the other side of this way too big country of ours uh, out in Brooklyn, New York, it is Alex Patakas. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I've done no driving, but I have been putzing around uh, New York City this week, which has been uh, pretty miserable, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so yeah, uh, we saw the sun for about like two hours today, but other than that, it's like typical winter that you've now escaped. So good yeah. for you, my friend. <laughs> uh, that's one of the, the, the highlights of moving to the Southwest is uh, getting to see the sky and the sun on a very consistent I see the basis. sun beaming through your windows right now. There it is. And I'm, I'm envious because uh, <laughs> well, it's dark now and it's begun to snow again. So I just remember living in New York and just especially when I was working, you know, a regular office job and just having these long stretches of time like um, like two months of the winter where I get up and go to work, it's dark. And then I leave work and go home and it's dark. <laughs> and even if it was ever daytime and I was outside like on a lunch break, it was gray and cloudy. So I didn't see the sun for like three months, three months of the year it felt like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we need a, a serious vitamin D boost, but we'll try to Try to bring the energy on this podcast anyway, as best I can. I have a friend here from Albuquerque who went to school in Michigan, and she said that she got like a sun lamp like for her desk so that she, because after a while she realized she was like depressed and not getting enough vitamin D, or at least as much as she was used to. So she used the uh, artificial sun lamp there. All right, that's enough banter, guys. The 200th meeting between the Packers and the Bears ended in a 21 to 13 victory for the Packers. And by the time Sunday's action had concluded, we learned that the Packers have secured a playoff berth after a two year absence uh, from postseason action. And the Bears were eliminated from playoff contention as well. So, uh, aside from the Vikings winning, everything was kind of coming up Millhouse for the Packers uh, this past weekend. On top of that, Pro Bowl selections have been made, if you care, and uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that, whether you care or not, because, hey, it's our show. <laughs> but um, Let's start, as we always do, with Note Nugs, notable nuggets from the Packers' win over Chicago. And, um, Alex, if, if you like to skew general, uh, you can do that. We uh, were a bit further from the game than usual with the slight delay this week, but I will start us off. With my note nug, I I swear that I had this idea independently, but we waited too long to record, and now I've seen other people that who are smarter than me and faster than me um, have already talked about this. Aaron Nagler, Tom Silverstein, to, people who actually get paid <laughs> to cover <laughs> this stuff. Um, but it occurred to me after this game that uh, we've been waiting sort of all year to for the Packers to find their offensive identity. And Alex, I know you've lamented nearly every week about how it's the same story 
every week and we don't feel any different after pretty much every game. And I finally thought, aha, there it is. That's the team's identity right there. Ugly ass wins that are kind of hard to parse out. You know, the defense has, has been consistent enough so that the offense can win with 20, 21, 23 points most of the time. Um, and that plus a schedule that looks softer by the week, I think, gives gives you the 11-3 and three record that we have now uh, with this team without being able to feel like the team can actually hang their hat on like a specific offensive thing, as I know I've talked about a few times this year. And um, the reality is that they're probably, you know, one – maybe two players away on offense. And and so too often you get these drives that are stymied by just lack of execution. Um, but that's the identity, like fits and starts, finding your groove and then losing your groove just as quickly. You know, ugly wins, uh, sometimes frustrating to watch. But as Aaron Rodgers said a few weeks ago, I, I, don't, I wouldn't mind winning ugly all the way to the Super Bowl. And um, and that's possible. It's actually possible. It's all in front of this team right now. So I guess my note nug is just to buckle up, guys, and set your expectations accordingly. It's going to be fits and starts, dropped balls, some punts. Uh, by the way, a better punt returner suddenly means better field position. Not going to kick that out of bed. So I don't know. I, I'm just I, I guess I'm at peace with the identity of this team just being like capital U ugly. And um, it's one game at a time, man. I'm, I'm bought in. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, I've lamented the past couple of weeks about the fashion in which they were winning. And I don't I don't mean to do that as kind of a spoiled Packers fan that's sitting here at 11 and three being like they're not good enough. I, I my my thing with that has always been from an entertainment perspective. Right. They've been a very difficult team to watch, a really frustrating team to watch in, in the sense that they start a game oftentimes very fast, and they should have started uh, Sunday's game very fast, if not for a drop, which I'll touch on in a second. Um, and then just kind of like peter out the rest of the way and make you almost feel like you're being punished having to watch the rest of this game, <laughs> um, but then rewarding you at the end by hanging on for a victory. Um, and and in their losses, they kind of just didn't show up, except for the Eagles game, which I would say was a very entertaining, albeit frustrating loss. But still a way more fun game to watch than some of these wins have been. Um, yeah. Not to go all Ben Foldy and start talking about how losing is like, you know, the more, me- you know. Uh, do it. Channel your inner like, Foldy. No, no, I won't do that. But um, Wash yourself in the loss. Revel I just wanted loss. to clear that up because like, I'm, I'm sure people are glad not to tune in and hear me just bitch again about how it's the same old thing. But it, it's always been about how, you know, I go to the Packers each week for entertainment and they haven't been that entertaining, but they are winning. So the good thing about that is, Playoff football is entertaining because the stakes are higher. So, like, no matter what, um, that will be something I look forward to. Yeah. And where there's a chance they have a first round bye, and there's even a chance they could have home field, although it's kind of a stretch. But all those things are great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think your point's a great one. I mean, this kind of is their identity. Their defense is going to keep them in some games. Their offense may catch a little hot streak and then not make much sense. Um, unless they completely remake themselves in the postseason, which at this point we're going into week 16. That seems super unrealistic. But one of the things, and this is my note note, that I think is part of why um, they win ugly and oftentimes are frustrating is just kind of like a lack of talent at the receiver position. And it's easy to say that after this game. We've had this debate multiple times throughout this season, though. Um, you know, the the drop from MVS at the beginning was a really bad one. Um because you could tell that they came into this game like just trying to go 
go for it right away. Rodgers makes a great throw. Um, and you know they practice that play. They definitely right. practice that play. Yeah, like like you know, MVS jogs onto the field on the first play of the game, knowing that that ball is very likely going to go to him, and he's very likely going to have a chance to make a big play or potentially score and just like set the tone. Um, and he doesn't. And there were a couple other drops throughout the game. And all in all, it's, you know, I think we'll touch on this a little bit later because I saw some of the questions that have come in um, in terms of like the way reps are allocated. But the bottom line is when we're debating the Packers receiving core and who should be playing over who, the reality is that it's it's just us mulling over a bunch of not great options. Because if there were truly a very good option, a really obvious one, um, I don't think we'd be sitting here, you know, debating about it back and forth each week. We would see it play out on the field because these guys are still NFL coaches. Like they're still sitting in, you know, r- rooms with wide receivers coaches and watching the film and breaking it down to a much more intellectual level than any of these smart people on the internet are doing. And they're still making the decisions as to how reps are allocated. And I think that they're doing that because they're trying to give everybody a chance to shine and nobody really has yeah. to a to a large degree. I mean, in flashes sure, but um there's still not a true number 2 on the team. I mean, Lazard is the closest thing and maybe you want to see him get the ball more, but again, if there were a number 2, like there'd be a number 2. You know, that's like a really weird dumb sentence to say, but um I think that's my note note because for so long um you know, there's there's been such a uh, a, a, such a large talent pool at that position and to see this go on now for a couple of years where it feels like everything else on the team has gotten better for that to be the weakness is 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 tough because um, it's to me feels like one of the main missing links um, for them elevating themselves from this kind of like second maybe third tier playoff team to a team that is a force to be reckoned with going into the postseason totally and uh, with that I want to turn to some listener note nugs at the APC pod on Twitter, hashtag note nugs after every game. Let us know what you thought. And I want to start with Babsky, who tweets in uh, their note nug, Lazard plus Kumaro over Allison plus MVS. And I wanted to start with that, uh, Alex, because that is is relevant to sort of the, the receiver point that, that you were just making. Is, is, that, is that arrangement of players? <laughs> Do you agree with that, Allison? Uh, Allison and, and MVS not not living up to Lazard and Kumaro. Definitely. I mean, Geronimo Allison at times has seemed like a guy who's just broken. I don't know if like lacking in confidence, but either there's always a drop or a fumble or something like that. Um, it's He's just not the guy that kind of flashed a couple of years ago that looked like he could work his way into maybe a number three, number two receiver eventually. Uh, I would say Lazard definitely. And, and Kumaro, you know, I... <laughs> Again, I I can't backtrack entirely on what I said about why guys are on the field. Like, there's a reason, and he's not on the field that much, but he does seem to always make plays, like preseason games. Whitewater Jesus, baby. <laughs> always scoring touchdowns, and you could say that's the preseason, but even when he's on the field in the regular season this year, he makes exciting plays. Yeah, he does. Um, So, you know... <laughs> Maybe the next thing is just trying to give him more reps. And then a couple of weeks from now, we'll be saying, well, why are they giving him so many reps and yeah. not this guy? Or, or maybe not. Or maybe he actually latches on. Yeah. But I would agree with the that note nug for sure. Speaking, I have way more confidence in those two guys right now. Yeah. Speaking of reps, let's move on to Pac-Man, who tweets in uh, their note nug. Still need more Aaron Jones, especially late in games. Is that something you agree with, Alex? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I I. 
One thing with Aaron Jones that I'll always want is a lot of him in the passing game. And I understand it's not always that easy and teams key on him now. And, um, you know, he's kind of a touchdown scoring machine. He had two more in this game against the bears, but, uh, he is a guy who can bleed out a game when you're holding on for a win. Um, and he is a guy that I think they need to always make a conscious effort to incorporate in the passing game. Um, and maybe they are, and maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't always hitting those checkdowns. Like I, I have not been watching film this year for a number of different reasons, but um, more Aaron Jones to me is always going to be a good thing. At least the way he's he's performed in those games where he's clearly the the feature of the offense. Indeed, uh, Grant tweets in goodbye atheism. Hello, faithful followers of Jesus. I miss this. Is that uh, is that Kumaro? Who's Jesus? <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I saw somebody tweeted in a, a Jesus shirt, right? Um, and I don't know if that was just like their note and that was a response to that, but yeah. um, or if we're calling Kumaro Jesus, which I haven't really seen too many other places other than our mentions on the show account. So we're not Luddites, everybody, but we are uh, old people. So sometimes we miss the boat. Tweet at us uh, at the APC pod at Alex Patakis at Zach Rapport and let us know what that what that's about. <laughs> Uh, what else we got here? Taylor with an optimistic note. Being a mediocre 11 and 3 team is better than being a good 5 and 8 team. A division title and a bye are within reach. How many thought that was possible 5 months ago? Alex, I don't um remember exactly what our what uh, all of our preseason prognostications were, but but I do think that I thought 11 and 5 would be like the absolute best case scenario for this team and uh it looks like they will eclipse that. So I'm ecstatic. Do you remember what, what your prediction was? I think it was something similar. I said that I think that they would get right back to competing for the division, but I don't, I don't think I could have envisioned, um, you know, 13 and three and sweeping the division being a possibility. Cause that would also be just be tremendous. You know, if you come away in the, under a first year head coach, six of six uh, against familiar opponents in the NFC North, that would be unbelievable. So they've definitely exceeded my, preseason expectations same uh tex our, our old buddy tex western the uh our fearless leader the guy who keeps the lights on he tweets on he tweets in his note nug remember all the talk about haha clinton dicks improving his tackling dude straight up whiffed on kumaro's big play he had a few whiffs in this game actually and um i'm not one to crap on a crap on a singular player especially one um who's not on the team anymore and and from what I can tell, seems like a nice guy. But uh, considering how much Bears fans, at least the ones that I encountered uh, on the internet, uh, were talking up haha Clinton Dix, um, it's just been more of the same from him. Did you see him at all in this game? What'd you think? I mean, yeah, um, there were a number of whiffs and and that particularly terrible one um, that I believe Tex is referring to was uh, pretty laughable. And and you know it. <laughs> Like you said, it does it doesn't bring me that much joy to just like see him fail, although he is now on a division rival. But um, it's very obvious that the Packers do not miss him. So uh, as much as the bear as as Bears fans might have wanted us to uh, have some remorse by having him go there and kind of like revitalize his career or whatever that might be, I, I I think if 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 one team got the better of the safety swap, it's clearly been the Packers so far. Indeed. All right. That's going to do it for Note Nugs. Again, at the APC pod on Twitter, hashtag Note Nugs. Tweet us after every game. Share your thoughts, and we will read 
as many as we can on the air here. We are going to take a quick break and come back with some uh, listener-submitted questions. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, again, at the APC pod on Twitter, the APC podcast at gmail.com as well. Send us your questions, and uh, we are going to start with our old buddy, John Meerdink, who, who, by the way, I, 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 reference, I reference his content from time to time. If you're not listening to his show, uh, that is another great Packers podcast that you should be listening to. Blue 58 is the, is the name of that show, so check it out if you haven't already. And uh, John says... How does it make you feel to hear Lafleur just now acknowledging the need to get Kumaro more reps? It seems bad that it would take until week 16 for serious conversations about getting people on the field, uh, presumably ahead of Allison. And, and Alex, you touched on this a little bit, so I want to I want to pass this over to you. Um, you touched on sort of the the mystery of what's going on there, but but to John's question. Does that make you feel a certain way about Lafleur and, and his leadership? How do you feel about uh, about the coach, given sort of this wishy-washy back and forth with the two, three, and four receivers? You know, it it doesn't make me feel terrible about him. It it does, and I kind of echo what I said earlier. It just kind of makes me feel bad about the the status of the position, and that they're just kind of trying to shuffle guys through and 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 see what sticks, and really not too much of it has um, throughout the season. Although I guess you could argue that Lazard has, but it's not like he's, you know, since he's had a couple of very good games, all of a sudden just been a guy who's just getting a ton of targets uh, in this offense. So, um, I I guess <laughs> I don't know. It 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 makes me feel. Yeah, it makes me feel like they just clearly need another receiver. It makes me want to believe that there's even the potential of Odell Beckham Jr. becoming a Green Bay <laughs> Packer. You know, like I'm like buying into the 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 Instagram likes and comments and things back and forth between he and Devontae Adams and all that good stuff. As far fetched as that may seem, that that to me is almost like a you know a shock to the system is it feels like what is needed to upgrade this position or or serious draft capital yeah um that's how i feel but 
you know, with the football that is left this season, I would like to see a little bit more Kumaro for the reasons we said earlier. The guy always makes plays, you know? And I think just because he's kind of like fits right into that role of like a Packers folk hero that's kind of been easy to make fun of in the past, maybe we almost underrate him in a sense, you know, because because he's like the successor to Jeff Janis and, and things like that. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you you've I know you've you've wanted to see more Robert Tanyan. Um, Big Bob. You wanted to see, you know, we all, I think, want to see a little bit more Sternberger, but does Kumaro fit into the guy that might need to get more opportunities just to kind of save a sinking ship at wide receiver? I think maybe. Think? You know, I think, to your point, I do think we got to cut Lafleur some slack because while it's not as severe as something like the old cliche, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, I will say that it's it's not like it's not like he has a a cadre of awesome receivers to choose from and so i want to give him a little bit of a pass there um yeah i just i know that's kind of a wishy-washy answer but i think it just it it takes time a it takes time to figure these things out and and b like no one has really like people have flashed but no one has demonstrated truly the kind of consistency that um that warrants more playing time other than Kumaro consistently uh, recently has like made a play every time he's been on the field. And, and so that's why that has become a talking point and rightly so. But um, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's, it's that cut and dry. And, and to your early, I know you were teasing me a little bit with Tanya and Sternberger, uh, but I, for, oh, I believe that too, though. I mean, I do want to see them. I mean, and I think that the plan has been all along to get them involved uh, more and more later on down the line, sort of a gradual uptick in their snaps. And we've seen now, I think, two weeks in a row, kind of the the Twitter film clips of like Sternberger running free and sprinting and being really fast and being wide open. And and you bet you can you can bet your ass that Aaron Rodgers is seeing that in the film room when they watch. And he only needs to see it once or twice before he before it's it's in that you know steel trap memory of his. Okay, Sternberger can run. This guy can get open, and I think that we will see them get uh, get more involved. And that's just kind of a natural progression of of young players who are learning, especially tight ends. Yeah, I, I do want to add one little glimmer of hope on this subject before we move on. Um, I do think that with uh, um willingness to dip into free agency to address certain positions, the way he's fixed the outside linebacker position, uh, the safety position, um, some of the hits that they've had, like uh, in the draft with Elton Jenkins and, um, you know, Billy Turner seeming like he, he has worked out pretty good. Um, if there is a year that the Packers can afford to address, you know, address receiver earlier in a draft, as opposed to other years when they had some really glaring holes at positions, I think this is it because I think that they've like plugged so many other holes on the team this year, yeah, like agreed. through other means um, that maybe now they can be like, all right, you know what? Now we can kind of add some of those finishing touches. So, and all the draft Knicks say this, this is like a great year for, for wide receivers in, in the draft. So that's great because um, you know, Aaron Rodgers prime, you look at the guys who was throwing to, they were aside from Donald driver. Like they were guys that required some decent investment. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that if I were to spin it positively, I would say that this seems like a time that they can afford to do that. And maybe not to the extent of an Odell Beckham, but maybe the extent of a first or second round draft pick. Yeah. And it, 
there may also just be a learning curve for for Gutekunst too, um, in terms of the receiver position, standing pat for a while and and saying, no, we're going to go with our guys. We like our guys. Um, seeing it play out over the course of a season that um, you've got Devontae Adams and a bunch of other guys who who may do some things well but aren't special, and and you you miss the boat on a couple. Uh, free agents and and whether or not at the time you you cared you cared one way or another about that, but I, th- I think at the end of the season, I I think you can objectively look back and say, okay, we stood pat here and we weren't good enough, so now we're going to invest. And I, um, to put an optimistic spin, as you said, I have faith that that Gutekunst is is capable of that, and and hopefully we'll do that. Um, <laughs> let's move on to a question coming in from Sam, who says. Uh, why is the Pro Bowl a thing that still happens, and why does it continue to be uh, touted as a worthwhile achievement? And then in parentheses, yes, I am upset that the Smith brothers were snubbed. <laughs> um, the Pro Bowl, man. So I, I teased it at the at the top of the show, but I think it was Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari got into the Pro Bowl, and and no other Packers did and you know there's varying degrees of upsetness about that in the greater Packers fan you know Twitter sphere depending on how much you care about the Pro Bowl but to Sam's uh, question why is the Pro Bowl why does it still happen why does it still matter I mean I I put this to you as someone who genuinely I don't get it it's weird the Pro Bowl is incentivized like in your contract and yet it is a popularity contest that has nothing has little to do with your your stats and and production it's kind of mystifying yeah and i I don't understand still why there's there's game as as much as they've tried to tweak the game too which i think is silly and also um you know it's been so cheapened by like how many guys just realize that they don't want to play in it and there's so many alternates which the packers do have a number of alternates which is kind of nice danny vitale being one of them yeah actually made me really happy well he's one of three um, fullbacks in the league so it's not a big pool to yeah, choose from true true that's a good point um <laughs> there's not a lot of other guys and his arms are so big <laughs> but yeah i mean it's uh it's weird like you know the all pro team i think is something that guys really take um you know some some pride in you know first team all pro second team all pro the pro bowl team is just like like you said there's it's a, it's a popularity contest which requires guys to then travel to a game that they don't want to play in that no one wants to watch it's just i don't know why it needs to be there i i really don't i mean speaking of popularity contest so i remember jeff saturday and his ill-fated season with the packers he got in the pro bowl and that was just total name recognition which is always the case for for offensive linemen, and this year, uh, Bakhtiari, he's not had a bad year, but he, I think he's had a little bit of a down year, and I've talked about it a little bit. Maybe he's uh, nursing an injury, or there's some extenuating circumstance, but there's more penalties. He's getting beat a few times. Again, I'm not saying he's playing poorly, but he's not. I don't think he's playing up to the standard that he has set uh, in previous seasons. Meanwhile, a guy like Bulaga, I think, has just gutted out injury and just shown up every week and been tremendous and he doesn't get in the pro it doesn't doesn't make any sense yeah i know and i know they vote on the pro bowl before the final weeks of the season and if i recall correctly jeff saturday didn't lose his job until the last like game or two of that regular mm, yeah, season yeah, that he right. was um but like to, yeah, i think to he benched himself he... actually i think he was like i'm not i'm not as good as the next guy <laughs> really okay yeah. well Right. I guess that's the one really good thing he did for the Packers. It's just 
remove himself from from action just to but, collect um, a paycheck on the bench yeah <laughs> yeah yeah just like not get hurt and then just go to espn uh, did he end or i don't know maybe he went somewhere else and played but no whatever. i think he was done yeah yeah and he lost a bunch of weight and is now uh just a tv sometimes guy, you so. can make the club in the tub you know that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah the pro bowl club you yeah. clearly clearly can there you go uh, let's move on to a question coming in from Lauren on Twitter. He's got a few. I'm going to focus on one. Well, two actually has Tyler Irvin saved, uh, the special teams this season specialists aside. Thank you for that caveat, uh, from nice. being a colossal failure. Will this give them a leg up in January? Uh, Alex, I think that it is, uh, unequivocally true that Tyler Irvin has saved the special teams season specialists aside uh, because they were on pace for um, I'd forget if it was a franchise record or a league record in the, just the worst, I think it was punt return specifically, but just no juice on punt return, no juice on kick returns. And suddenly we, we, we pick up this guy Irvin and we are starting drives at the 35, the 40 yard line. It's a big deal. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was a uh, 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 all-time record, not just a franchise record, because I think I remember Oof. reading that the Packers have would, would have the record for most and least. Um, so clearly they can't have that if they're, it's just a franchise <laughs> record. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, but no, I agree. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing simple things like catching the ball and running forward, which is very nice. Um, and he's, he's looked exciting and we were joking, um, in our, uh, our group chat during the game at how exhilarating, you know, some of these returns feel when he's returning it out to the 35 or 40 yard line, just because we've been so deprived. Um, and that does make a difference for an offense that has clearly struggled quite a bit um, to extend drives, to convert on third downs. Um, so I, yeah, he's, he's been a great mid season addition that, you know, you get in the playoff game. I'm, I'm not, I'm not counting on it, but it can happen that, uh, you know, one or two special teams plays can, can make the difference when, when the margin, uh, margins between some of these teams are really, really small. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of them. Damn straight. All right. That's going to do it for our mailbag segment. And before we get out of here, because we are publishing a little later than normal, I think we, we got a little extra time here to focus on, uh, Vikings, Packers, which is going to be a Monday night affair. The Vikings, I think, have have kind of have kind of gotten through their midseason struggles, put it together, and, and put some really, really uh, convincing offense on film the last uh, couple weeks. Meanwhile, as we've talked about all season long, the Packers fits and starts. They did beat the Vikings early in the season, but um, Alex, how do you feel? How do you feel about this game? Do, do you think the Packers have a chance? Are you optimistic? Are you worried that it's on national TV? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> um, I'm not too optimistic, although I will say that, um, you know, the uh, the absence of Dalvin Cook, who I, I believe is not expected to play potentially in the next two games. I think that's Minnesota, right. Definitely skews things because um, he had what at, at that point was a career day against the Packers. Um, I can't remember if he eclipsed that later in the season with another really because he's had a number of really good performances so i feel a bit better about him being out um but overall i don't feel good about some of the things that the vikings defense is able to do um 
and the fact that I believe the Packers still have not won at U.S. Bank. So it is clearly a place that they go and just, you know, sometimes that happens. Like it's a, it's a, it's a tough environment. Um, it's you sound it's like you thought that, for a moment about going into a McCarthy impression, but then thought better of it. <laughs> no, I mean maybe, yeah, subconsciously maybe he was he was trying to get out. It's a um, tough place to play. Uh. <laughs> It it is and 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 a really good defense that just forced seven turnovers. I get it was the Chargers, but my God, the yeah. Packers went there, and I expected something you know like half of that and didn't get it. Yeah, you know, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm worried. I I don't see the I don't I don't see Aaron Rodgers going in there and lighting it up. Yeah, I do see the Packers defense having a bit of an edge with Cookout now, and you know Cousins is always as good as he's been this year. He's still a guy that you're just like in a game against the Packers waiting for him to make that mistake. Um, I think my favorite thing about um, this game is that the Packers can lose it and win the division because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like everything hinges on that. And it, the lions have clearly packed it in for the season. Oh, they're, they're done. Down they're done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate in a way, uh, not for the, you know, as a Packers fan, but you know, Stafford was having, I think one of the best years of his career. And yeah. Then, they have to turn to their third string quarterback now. So, um, yeah, I, I I see the Vikings winning this game. I think it will be close. I think that the Packers defense will uh, limit the damage to a degree, but I, I can't see as currently constructed and, and, and what they've been doing the past few weeks, this Packers offense going out there and finding much success. I don't know if you disagree, if you're more hopeful than, than I am. I am allowing myself to be more hopeful. And I think that the way that I get there is just that it is a division game. And so I think it's easy to look at the past few weeks of Vikings football, the past few weeks of, of Packers football and say, oh, these are like totally different teams than when they played earlier. And and the Vikings are this powerhouse. And, and, and I understand those arguments, but I also just think on game day when it's division football, you can throw at least some of that out of the window and you just never know what you're going to get. I felt the same way in this in this Bears game, uh, uh, a team that was streaking in a positive direction, but ultimately is not a super good team. And it was just a messy, a typical messy division game. And 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 I don't know. It's 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 really it's it's really unpredictable. And I'm just going to skew positive because because that's what I want to do. Um, <laughs> but. What does Vegas say? What is the line? Oh, four and a half. Minnesota uh, minus four and a half. How yeah. do you feel about that? I mean, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, suggesting a close game. I know Minnesota's home field advantage is worth um, a decent amount. So, you know, I. Yeah, I, I guess I would still, if I'm picking against the spread, I think I would still pick Minnesota. Um and I'm not trying to sound like negative Nancy. Like I, I, I really want the Packers to win this because I want uh, a first round bye. <laughs> like, and they, I, they can still get that without winning this game. But I, I think getting the two seed in the NFC is so important. So maybe in a way, like this is kind of a all or nothing type of game for them, where you throw it all yeah. out there um, and hope that you get that win, and then can kind of maybe coast by a little bit. Week 17 against the Lions. Yeah. Um, while you're tuning up for the postseason. You but. mentioned the first round bye. Do you know the circumstances under which they could lose and still get the first round bye? Who's who else has got a win or lose? Well, okay, so the Seahawks have the tiebreaker over the Packers. 
clearly because they're number one in the NFC right now. So I guess what would have to happen is by virtue of a 12 and four NFC West runner up being a wild card, they yeah. can't have, you know, obviously. And the Sa- the Saints would have to lose another game because the Packers have the tiebreaker over the Saints, right? I believe that's true. Yeah. So I think that that is what would have to happen. I forget who the Saints play. I know that, um, uh, what the Rams play the 49ers, I believe, or is it the Seahawks? I forgot. I looked, I was like, I was reading about all of this. The Rams ago. play the Niners and the yeah. Saints play the Titans who are fighting for their playoff lives. Right. It's going to um, be the Titans hosting after. the Saints. Um, not a lot of people are, are picking the Titans right now, but they've, they've, Tannehill has them playing decent football. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they lost a competitive game with the you know division lead on the line to the Texans, who are by all means a competitive playoff caliber team, and it's in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. And the the Saints have stinkers, you know. Like if if this were a Saints podcast, I'm sure we would have some stuff to complain about. Although not coming off of that last win against Indianapolis, there's the McCarthy. I'm yep. getting the boats. <laughs> I'm like trying to hold them in and talk. Um, well, but, yeah, uh, well, but yeah, you know. I think that, that that would be the scenario. The Saints would have to lose another game, um, and then things would kind of stay status quo between the two and three seed as with the Packers and, yeah. and Saints as they are currently constructed. All right. All right, with that, we are going to hit the polka. Uh, straight up or down, it sounds like you are picking the Vikings. Am I right, Alex? Yeah, I guess so. It pains me to do it, but I feel like I have to. Well, I'm going to counterbalance you and pick the Packers because... It feels like I have to. All right, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The ABC Podcast Listener Pick'em League. Want to check in really quickly with the standings. Uh, Lauren is in first place, uh, who submitted a question earlier. Lauren in first place. Justin Demetz, Sean Williams, Chris Pirtle, Kyle Clifton. Yours truly in sixth place. I do not know how that has, has happened. Simon Hardy, Gage Bridgeford, Matthew Soik. And Victor Alves. Victor and Mateus together, the Brazilian brothers, 10th and 11th place. Will they make Will they make a last-minute push to take first and second place as they did two years ago when we first started this thing? Uh, we will keep an eye on it. All right, everybody. We got Vikings Packers on Monday Night Football, and then we will be back with you after that to talk more Green Bay Packers. Until then, I don't know. How do you end these shows? Keep your stick on the ice. That's what Red Green says. I'm dating myself now. I'm a 35-year-old man that used to watch a lot of PBS. Still do. All right, we're done. (laughs) I'm pulling the plug. (laughs) 